It says this, when Ahab got home, this is the context of the passage we're studying. 1 Kings chapter 19. If you didn't bring a Bible, don't worry, it's on the screen. If you, if you did bring a Bible, follow along. And if you didn't this week, man, get you a Bible. We'll get you a Bible. You, you need to be reading this. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, that was his wife, everything that Elijah had done. He had just killed these 450 false prophets of Baal. So Jezebel, this, this lady, she's not even involved in the conflict, sends a message to Elijah. Now, Elijah's the chief prophet of, of the land of Israel. I mean, he's the prophet of all prophets. He's the Godfather prophet. And this lady sends this death threat. May the gods, lowercase g, idol gods, strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as you've killed all our false prophets, our prophets. Elijah was so afraid. Just kill 450 false prophets. Just saw fire come from heaven. Just, just, just prove that Jehovah's God. I mean, the greatest mountaintop experience of any prophet of all of the Old Testament. <laughs> he gets this death threat from this lady not even involved in the conflict. And he's so afraid that he starts running for his life. You ever been there? You ever had a ha-ha and then a low-low? Here's what I can tell you about life. High-highs are oftentimes followed by low-lows. In Christianity, we call them mountaintops and valleys. Clinically, they would refer to that as having bipolar issues where you're high-high in a mania, in a manic cycle, and, and then followed up with a depression a low, low cycle. So he goes to Bathsheba. He's not even from there. He was in Israel. Now he's run to Judah. You, I, you, I want you to know this is a long ways. And once he finally got to this new country of Judah from Israel, he went out. That wasn't even far enough. He ran from her to the wilderness. He traveled there all day. And this passage is getting darker by the verse. And then he sat out in the wilderness under a solitary broom tray. And here's what he prayed. God, I'm ready to die. Take my life. Ha, ha. Lolo. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than any of my ancestors. I can't get it right. I can't see it fixed. I'm never going to see a change. Just take me out now. And then he lay down and he slept there under that solitary broom tree. But as he was sleeping, check this out. Those same angels we prayed to come and protect these children. Those ministering spirits sent by God, promised in the book of Psalms. This angel showed up and touched him. Woke him up and said, Elijah, you need to get up and eat something. He looked around, and there beside him was some bread baking on some hot stones and some water. So he ate and he drank, and then he lay back down again. He's getting rest, and he's getting nutrition, nourishment. Then the angel of the Lord came to him again, touched him. Get up, eat some more. The journey ahead will be too much for you if you don't. So he got up, he ate, and he drank again. And this food gave him enough strength to travel. 40 days and 40 nights it was going to take him to get to this new and this next encounter with God at Mount Sinai. There he came to a cave where he spent the night, and I want you to see this. The Lord came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Father, my prayer for this second experience, these wonderful people, is just simply this what it is that we ask you to do in the first we ask you to do again today God I, I, I ask you not for a pat on the back not for man's accolades not to be told you preached a good message you hit it out of the park but God I pray not for success but for significance God I pray for effectiveness I pray for people to be transformed for people to be changed for people to see their need that have it in this area and, and God for you to step in and to provide solutions for long-term success in the mind matters of their lives. The Bible's full of them. The notes are full of them. And God, our prayer is that they would receive them today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you put your hands together for Pastor Chad and just love on him. Let him know you love him and appreciate what he does. Now, listen, before you turn the page, thank you so much for bringing this to me. Um, out of your Bible there, I just, again, needed to let Pastor Chad go. It's 46 minutes in now. He, he's got to take a break. Second time for him to do this today. I, I, I want you to drop back down in that same passage and pick up with me here. So we ended with 
me stating the question that God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? It's going to be very important. And, and, and maybe you need some context for that today. This is literally the Lord saying, what are you doing here? Not, not what are you doing at Bayou Point. We know why you're here today. You came to worship. You came to give. You came to serve. You came to encourage. That, because that's what we do here. We don't come to get. We come to give. It's church call, baby. But maybe there are some places in your emotions that you've suppressed that the Lord today will move through, sift through some of that stuff and put his finger on it and say, what are you still doing here in this place with this emotion for this person? What, what, what are you doing here with this hurt? What, what are you doing here in this addiction? What, what, what are you doing here with this hate? What are you doing here with this unforgiveness, this resentment? I don't know what it'll be today, but, but I want you to know that this is intentional by the Lord. When he says to Elijah, what are you doing here? The, the Lord knew exactly where Elijah was. It, it wasn't that God needed an answer. It's that Elijah needed the answer. And, and it wasn't a GPS. It wasn't geographical location. It was emotional. If, if nobody's ever given you and I know that's presumptuous to say, but if no one's ever given you this nugget is, is a Bible study tool, it's a dang good nugget to stick in your quiver. God is God. When God says something, his words have life. They have the power to create. God doesn't say meaningless words. Every word in the Bible is pregnant. You, you heard Pastor Chad talk about these tools that are out there to study and to break down the word. Every word in there is God-breathed, God-inspired. It's accurate. It's authentic. It's authoritative. We, you, we and you can get coffee, and I can have that conversation with you and explain it to you in a way that will blow your mind. But they're pregnant. They have power in them. So when God speaks... They're not useless words. God only has to say something once for it to be. He, he's not like you and I that has to say, I mean it. Now, I really mean it. At the count of three, this is my parenting. And Brooke's like, I get so frustrated with that. Okay, I'm getting the spoon. Brooke's like, I'm one and done. I said, that's it. I'm like, you like God. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, now I'm serious. Now I'm getting more serious. Okay, now I'm serious. <laughs> When God says something, he, he only has to say it once. So here's the Bible study nugget. He's God. He says it. It has life in it. He only has to say it once. He never has to take back what he says. When you hear God repeat himself, it's very important. When God goes through the trouble to say the same thing twice, you should underline it circle it, take a picture of it, remember it. He's trying to draw your attention. This is the context of this passage. Two different times, three different times in this chapter, he calls Elijah out and says, okay, in the grand scheme of all this stuff that's going on, the prophets, you're running for your life, you're in a bad place, the nation's at stake, all this stuff. The question is, why are you here? Elijah keeps bringing up all this other stuff and God keeps asking the question, that is the real question. That's the real heart of the matter. That's the heart of the matter that Elijah doesn't want to address. Why are you in this place? Why are you here? So let's go back there. Why are you here, Elijah? So here's, here's how you reply to God. Here's how I reply to God about our marriages, about our finances, about our feelings, about our views. I've zealously served you, Lord, all my life. The nation of Israel has broken their covenant with you. They've torn down their altars. They've killed your prophet. It's all going to Hades in a handbasket. Monroe's upside down. We need new bridges. Crime is through the roof. America's upside down. The Obama administration, the Trump administration, the Biden administration, everything's falling apart. Yo, 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 I'm down here, little old me, trying to do it right, raise my family right, be right. Sound familiar? You said that lately? You know you have. Read it on Facebook lately? You know you have. Come on, somebody, I'm meddling now. <laughs> and now they're trying to kill me too. What Elijah's saying is it's so bad, how do you not see what's going on? When are you going to intervene and do something? 
This is Elijah's perspective from earth to heaven to God. God, I need to give you a piece of my mind and help you, I guess, see what's going on down here. That's, that's a presumptuous place to be. God, from earth, from heaven, looking at the earth, says, I got a whole different perspective than you. I'm looking at a way bigger picture. You know what? You better get you some sleep, boy. Matter of fact, you better get you something to eat. You better lay down. Rest a minute before I blow your house down. You talking big and bad, but you ain't the big bad wolf. Elijah, this is what I want you to see. This is the point of view I want you to get. This is the narrative. God says, no, this is the point of view I want you to get. This is the real narrative that you're unwilling to see. He invites him. He says, go stand out on the mountain before me. Don't you know Elijah's like, what? That's like when they bring the lady to Jesus. We caught her in the very act of adultery. Jesus goes over here and starts drawing in the dirt like he's in kindergarten. They're like, no, look, look at her. You see her? Jesus, he ain't even looking. He's, he's, we're like, hey, this is the issue in our city. Hey, this is the issue in America. And God's over here doing something else, offering up some answer that seems irrelevant to what we're trying to get God to see. You ever notice that? He seems evasive. He seems aloof. He's just got a different perspective. He's just, he just on a whole nother plane dimension than we are as humans. And the truth of the matter is, if you take the time to go study those answers that he gives, those solutions that he's offering in this passage, he'll make you see something that you ain't really wanting to see. That's the real narrative. He's a bad boy. He says, go out and stand on the mountain before me, the Lord told him. So Elijah stood there. And then all of a sudden, the Lord passed by, and there was a mighty windstorm, and it hit the mountain. This wind was so powerful. The blast was so terrible. The rocks were torn loose. And don't you know, Elijah was going, whoo, God done answered. Now, here he come. It's like that mighty rushing wind. It's like that ruach of God, that breath that breathed into Adam. Elijah's getting fired up. He said, oh, man, Jehovah's finna come on through. He's finna vindicate my case. He's finna turn it all around. It's the midnight hour. It's 1159. It's the miracle at midnight. He's about to put his dancing and shouting shoes on. And then all of a sudden it says the Lord's not in the wind. Elijah's like, dang, I, he, he, wait a minute. He's always been in the wind. And then about that time, the earth started to quake. The rock started to shake, and Elijah was like, oh, okay, I know, I've I seen God move like this before. He's going to be in the earthquake. He's going to shake the foundations of these kingdoms. He's going to bring Ahab down, Jezebel down. We're just going to see the earth open up, swallow up the enemies of God, like with Moses and Aaron. God's going to do it. Here it is right now. And then it says, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. All those familiar ways, Joseph, that, oh, I know God's going to move this morning during prayer. Oh, God's going to move this morning during worship. Oh, God's gonna, when Pastor John starts preaching, the Lord's going to move. All those ways we get familiar with God moving, about the time you get comfortable with God moving that way, God decides he's going to move some other way. We're creatures of heaven. Oh, I'm not, I, get, I need you to do it this way. I need you to. So God moves in a new way. He's not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. Here it comes, fire. Oh, it's that Acts 2, cloven tongues of fire, anointing. The fire starts to burn. Elijah said, God's going to be in the fire. But when the fire burns by, God's not in the fire. Now, I'm pretty sure this is where earth, wind, and fire got their name from. <laughs> that group, or spirit, wind, and fire, earth, wind, and fire. Whatever. So, anyways, back to the story. God's not in all these familiar ways that Elijah has seen him move before. And I'm going to go ahead and give it to you now in this service. Elijah was in a place he had never been before, and he didn't need the same old God. He needed a new dimension of a new God that would speak in a new way to move him out of a place he'd never been in before. And all of a sudden, God showed up in a gentle, still, small voice. And fixed everything that Elijah said he wanted fixed. Nope. He said, what are you doing here? The issue isn't them. 
The issue is you. The issue isn't them. I got a plan for them. I just wonder, do you still want to be a part of the plan? What are you doing here? Why are you so self-righteous? Why are you so zealous? Why, why are you so depressed? Why are you so isolated? Why are you so hopeless? Why, why, why do you see an end and I just see a new opportunity? I, I want to give you the second point of this message. Media team, just, just follow along with me now. The second point of this message where we left off last week is this self-care is essential for long-term success. That may not make a lot of sense to you without point number one. Point number one last week, the only point we covered was this. Great highs in life. Anybody ever had a great high? William, I'm, I'm going to use a little bit, just with discretion, of, of some of your speaking opportunities that you've had. And then the, the, the attacks that came after. Would that be okay? Sorry to put you on the spot like that. Anybody ever had a great high? Here's what we talked about. We don't say bipolar in church because that, that's taboo. It's like, oh, if you have, if you have, if you have these swings, or you have these emotional swings, that's, oh, no, we don't talk about that. Because nobody knew about this. So we just suck it up, buttercup. Pull yourself together about your bootstraps. You ain't a man. You ain't a girl. People come back from war. Oh, they're shell-shocked. Police have these traumatic experiences for years, and they say, you can't cut it anymore. Because no one was willing to address the emotional trauma, damage, mental, spiritual illness that this was causing in people's lives. But now it's not taboo in the world. It's just taboo in the church to admit we have a struggle. We have a weakness. So we say high highs and low lows. We say mountaintops and valleys. Let's, let's talk about high highs. Elijah kills 450 prophets. He sees fire come down from heaven in this passage. He sees it lick up the water. He is the, he is the OG prophet of all prophets, son. He is just seeing God. In the next verse, some lady says, I'm going to get you. And he's running with his tail tucked to a new country that God never told you. Want, you want to get on Jonah for being scared to go to Nineveh and going to Joppa. Don't forget about Elijah. He's called by God to Israel to prophesy over the 10 tribes during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel. And he tucks tail and runs down to Judah where he's not even geographically assigned to prophesy. He goes out into the wilderness of Sinai and he hides there under a solitary broom tree. And he says, because he got one death threat from a lady, and I'm not being sexist, I might as well die. I saw the world move here, and a couple hours later, I'm ready to go. Come on, get me. High highs, low lows. Jesus walks out on the Galilean seashore. The Spirit of God comes. The voice of the Father, this is my son. John the Baptist, he's got all the followers, all the parishioners of the temple. Says there's the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And they all quit following John, start following Jesus. This is the highest spiritual high ever recorded in the Bible. The very next verse, chapter 4 says, And Jesus was led into the wilderness where the devil said, You ain't who you think you are. You can't do what you say you can do. God's not going to come and do through you what God, you're saying God will do. He starts being attacked. Ha-ha, ha-ha's, lolos. Anybody ever had a ha-ha? William started getting these opportunities, started making changes in his life, started getting these speaking opportunities, pouring into these young kids out at these retreats. How many of you think that's a great thing? With that, we feel this pressure. I'm going to use my good friend, Freeman Blaney here. Shout out to Freeman Blaney. If you know Freeman Blaney, shout him out. Give him a high five. Give him a hoo-hoo right now. It's my lunch buddy. Mr. Freeman said, Pastor, I was miserable as a Christian the first 10 years. I said, why? He said, because I thought it was all about sin eradication. He said, I was trying to eradicate it. I could never eradicate it all. He said, and then I finally started growing up in the Lord, and I figured out it was about sin management. He said, you know, people tell you they won't come to your church because there's sinful people in the church. He said, they got the wrong perspective. They think it's about sin eradication. He said, people in church are just learning how to manage 
the effects of sinfulness. That people don't, oh, I can't do ministry. I don't want to do ministry. God's got a track record of using jacked up folks that ain't been through growth track yet. <laughs> you argue with him. Now, I'm not saying throw caution to the wind and use everybody, Tom, Dick, Harry, that walks through the door to do any job in the house. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying God thinks he's God and he sometimes does some things that don't make sense to me in this earth. And all of a sudden, these kids start getting these opportunities to be used at these retreats. And they're like, well, I can't do that yet because I don't have this mastered yet. I don't have this. I'm like, and you will never have it mastered. Boy, go in there and open your mouth. Let God fill it and share. So he does. And he starts sharing and sharing his testimony. And then all of a sudden, he, I met with him. I'm ready to quit school. I got a full ride. I make straight A's. I want to go into ministry. I want to be an SUM. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We ha, ha, ha right now. I talked to him next week. He's like, man, all hell's coming against me. I'm struggling with my thought life. I want to vape again. People are talking about me. My girlfriend broke up with me. He was like, man, I was here. Now I'm there. She posting pictures on Facebook. Are we arguing about this and that? He's like, man, one week I was David. The next week I'm ready to die. (laughs) I'm just using William just just because he's my friend. But you've been there. You are there. High highs, low lows, mountaintops and valleys. Here's what we said about mountaintops. How many of you love the mountaintops? Pastor Chad, every Sunday morning, this worship team, through their anointing, takes us to a spiritual mountaintop. I just went to Colorado, married a couple. I was on a mountaintop. Guess what I didn't see up there? I mean, I saw grandeur. I saw splendor. I saw the sun. I saw snow-capped mountains. But I looked on the ground, and it was barren. There was no vegetation. There was no growth. Things don't grow on the mountaintops. Growth happens in the valley. You go up to the mountaintop to meet God, but God comes down to meet you in the valleys. That's where the growth happens. That's where you start maturing. That's how you start learning to control your thoughts and your emotions and your tongue and to say, I love you, and to say, I'm sorry, or to say, I'm right, or to say, proceed, or let's go, or let's reach them. Whatever it is that God's dealing with you about in your life, that happens in the low lows. Don't ever project a projection of Christianity in anybody's life that it's all mountaintops. If you live a mountaintop experience, listen to me, you will be a weak Christian. The first time strain, trial, struggle, opposition, persecution hits you, you will tuck tail and run. I don't know why I'm seeing this picture. I don't know why I'm seeing this picture. Anybody ever heard this phrase? Skipped leg day. Skip leg day. You ever heard that? Raise your hand if you ever heard skip leg day. What's the picture that goes with skip leg day? That brother look good. That sister look good. And then from the waist down, they get a little bolt, little bean pole. Skip leg day is what people write under that. They've been working out the top half. I've been working on the worship. I ain't been working on the walking. Huh? I've been working on the decree and I ain't been working on the disciple. Skip leg day. Don't skip leg day in the spirit realm. Make sure that what you think you are in God up top, you can walk out down low. Does it make sense to you? We see these high highs and these low lows in Scripture. They're a normal part of Christianity. We all experience them. But the Bible tells us in this passage, and and, and I promise I'm going to speed it up now. I didn't get the first one out on time because I ain't coming back to this message, but I'm going to get y'all out on time. And they're going to say, why couldn't you do that the other way? (laughs) Don't miss the king because the mouse under the chair. We're doing good stuff. (laughs) Adequate rest renews. No, 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 no. Give me number two. You finna throw me off and them off. Just messing with your media booth. Thank you for your service. Number two. Number two. I'm just taking them back to them. A great recapper. Self-care is essential. So you have these high highs, you have these low lows. Now the Bible's just going to tell you how to manage the low lows. you got to have great self-care. You have to take, we, we think, take care of everybody else. Listen to me, if you don't take care of you, you can't take care of them. You ready? Is anybody flying here? How much do you fly? And it's hard for you as a parent, I know. And they show that little video and they say, in case of an emergency or a change in cabin pressure, help me finish it, an oxygen mask, will drop from above your head, 
Put your oxygen mask on first before you attempt to help anyone else around you. And if you're a mom, you're thinking, Lord, no, I'm going to put that oxygen mask on my son. No, I'm going to make sure my husband can. Listen to me, Dodo. They know what they're talking about. You're going to be over there trying to put the mask on and black out. Make sure you got oxygen, spiritual oxygen. Make sure you are cared for mentally. Make sure you're resting. Make sure you're nutrition. Make sure you're right so you can actually help someone else be right. right? You, you, you know what I'm saying? Get your oxygen mask on before you worry about my oxygen mask. It's, 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 it's how you're going to help more people is get yours on. So I just want to show you a, a few of the things. Now, Media Booth, you're doing a wonderful job. Let's hear it for the Media Booth. Here's a few things that this passage says, just, just layman's terms, plain and simple. They're not going to be that profound. That will help you manage your high highs and low lows. Check this out. Adequate rest renews your mind which controls the chemical makeup of your neural transmitters and helps you manage your emotions. Manage your emotions. Did you know that how much you rest controls the thermostat of how hot you run? Did you know that? You may have never put those two together, but how much you sleep and rest determines the temperature of the radiator. A lack of rest means this, a lack of alertness, a lack of mental sharpness. It's proven scientifically that if you're not resting correctly for an elongated period, it will cause memory damage. You will not be able to remember things as sharply as you want. You say, oh, I'm just getting older. Oh, 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 I've got sometimes, or oh, I've got, I've got Alzheimer's. Listen to me. We need to quit saying that, man. Alzheimer's is wicked. I just saw the effects of what that does. Don't claim that over your life. It could be that you don't have any of that, that you're just not resting, and your brain, which is an organ, just like your heart and your liver and your kidneys and your lungs, is not functioning correctly, is not, is, is not producing the right amount of chemicals to be successful for sustained periods of time because you're not giving it what it needs. If you're not resting, it can cause relational stress. You get short, you get quick-tempered, you get hot, you get snappy. A lack of rest will eventually produce a poor quality of life. Now, I think I can say this better this service. They're just the opposite of one another. Check this out. When men, men, how many of you still believe in biology in here? How many of you believe men are men and women are women? Amen? Okay, I, I believe that. I, that's, that's, there's, no there's no debate on that. Okay, just, just listen to me. When men fall into the trap of sleeping less than six hours a night for a long period of time, it will drop your testosterone levels. Look it up. And I'm not talking about testosterone to go in the gym. I'm, I'm talking about the chemicals you need in your brain that keep you in balance. Your body will start producing less of it and you will get out of balance. You ever, anybody ever had a washing machine that you put too many towels in? <laughs> And they all go to one side or a comforter. You ever whop, 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 <laughs> Like a flat tire going down the road. Whop, 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 whop. <laughs> Everybody around you can see the whop <laughs> except you. <laughs> that sucker's whop, 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 whop. You can't see it. I can't see it. They can see it. Trust me. I feel the spirit of some wives right now going home and going, wop, 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 wop. And the husband will be like, I hate Pastor John. Now, now, don't hate me. The exact opposite is true for women. A woman's body starts producing less estrogen the further they move on in their lifespan, naturally. And smaller amounts of estrogen over a period of time taken from a woman's body starts adding to shorter sleep cycles at night. 
So if the man starts sleeping less, it will affect him negatively. And when the woman begins to lose the chemicals over time, moving towards menopause, she starts sleeping less. There are solutions for both. And, and, and I'm not talking about like narcotics or anything. Just do a little research. on. Here's why I'm saying this. The Bible says in Psalm 127 and 1, this is the Bible, y'all. Unless the Lord builds the house you're trying to build, unless the Lord watches over the family or the city or the dream that you're trying to guard and protect, please know that the workers, the builders, and the guards are doing it uselessly. It's vain, the Bible says, for you to get up early in the mornings and to stay up late at night anxiously fretting and working. Don't you know this simple truth that the Lord gives his beloved sweet sleep? All these things that are keeping us up at night, all these things that are worrying us, all these things that we feel the ability we have to fix, the Bible says unless the Lord heals, corrects, fixes, intervenes, all of our toil is for nothing. Unless the Lord... Be the Bible says the war horse is prepared for the day of battle, but never get it twisted, my friend. The victory comes from the Lord. We may be working and preparing at Oaks Church. We'll work out the kinks this week of two services and timelines. But listen to me. All of our working is useless unless the Lord builds this house. Amen. I'm not going to stay up at night anymore. I'm not. I'm not. It ain't my church. You ain't my people. You're God's people. This is God's church. I'm going to go to bed. If it falls apart between the time I went to sleep and the time I got up, it was the Lord's doing. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. Anxiously staying up, fretting. What I'm trying to tell you is not resting healthy lies. You get in a bad place. Now, let me give you the recommendation for rest by age average. Listen to this. 65 years older. Raise your hand in here if you're over 65. Raise your hand if you're over 65. All right, check this out. Now, leave your hand up. I'm not, not calling you out. We, we love you, honor you. I need you here. 65 and older should sleep seven to eight hours a night. Now, only raise your second hand if you do sleep seven to eight hours a night. Not a single one of you over 65 raise your other hand. Heck no, because you, you don't sleep that much, but you should. All right, okay. All right, Miss Eddie. Miss Eddie, I'm sorry. Call me down. Shout me down. Stand up. This is the only one that says she sleeps. And look at her. And look at her. Forced, that's why. Let the woman sleep. She needs her beauty sleep. And she'll wake up with a lower temperature and sweeter. <laughs> you ain't letting Elizabeth sleep enough. <laughs> you gonna need uh, our staff has a has a has a community resource list for counseling for therapy, and you about to need it. So just be sure and see any one of our staff members today. We will point you in the right direction of where to go from here. I'm doing my best counseling. Like if you say, oh, I need you to go, to, I'm giving you the best I got right now. So if it's past my expertise, we got a list for you. We'll point you in the right direction. You can go see Pastor Michael Stravada, and you can stay with him 17 times till he gets you all worked out. Felicia said I'm going to be writing the next message, <laughs> visiting the next hospital, worried about that dumb building, but I ain't staying up about it. No disrespect meant to the building. If you're 26 to 64, you should be sleeping seven to nine hours a night. If you're a young adult, 18 to 25, seven to nine hours, teenagers, 14 to 17, eight to 10 hours, grade school children, six to 13, nine to 11 hours, preschool children. Three to five years old, 10 to 13 hours. This is why at our house, Brooke and I say, y'all going to bed at four o'clock tonight. <laughs> Finley's like, dead is daylight. I'm like, I'm putting tenfold on them windows like we did when I was, I don't, you don't worry about if it's light or dark. You just go to bed because you need the Lord right now. Or daddy does, one of us. And then Brooke found this thing on Amazon. It lights up. It's like a certain, you set it for a certain time and it lights up green. So Brooke's like, don't y'all get out of your bed till eight o'clock. And they're like, we don't know when it's eight o'clock. We can't read. She said, when this thing turns green, it's eight o'clock. Don't you come out of here till eight o'clock. <laughs> that little thing will turn green now. And I hear, <laughs> 
They like, is mama away? <laughs> Brooks like, y'all skip work children, going to bed at 11, waking up at four. Uh-uh, I'm a hybrid, I don't roll that way. <laughs> Them kids going to sleep. Toddlers, one to two, 11 to 14 hours. The point that I'm drawing, I know you think I'm being comical and humorous, the point that I'm drawing is our rest affects our emotions. I, I don't know if you know that. Listen to this. I'll just get off of it. Newborns to three months old, 14 to 17 hours. All they're supposed to do is eat and poop and sleep. Let them do it. Rest is a spiritual gift from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Rest is spiritual. Rest is not as physical and as carnal as you think. When you're resting, you're, you, it's spiritual. Rest. The guy that created you gave you an instruction manual, and he said, work the heck out of that body. You do know your body is meant to work. You do know your body will hold up better if it moves than if it sets. Being sedentary is worse for you than being active. He said, work that thing like it was meant to be where it's muscles and tendons and ligaments. I'm not just talking about the gym. I'm talking about cutting trees. I'm talking about building fence. I'm talking about mowing the grass. I'm talking about running a mare. Whatever you enjoy, work that thing. He said, but on the seventh day, you rested. That thing needs one day of rest. God created it. And I'm not talking about sitting at home scared to move. Change the rhythm. Change the cycle. Binge on Netflix, spend time with your family, eat popcorn, go for a walk, chill out, rest, break the monotony of the work, but work it and then rest it. People that get this wop, 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 wop system, they work it, work it, work it, work it, work it, work it, work and they don't realize they got the wop going, but everybody around them realize they got the wop. Them suckers need some rest. Could you please go on vacation? Because you about to kill me or I'm going to kill you. People that are, that are not resting, that are that are overworking, they got out of rhythm. But check this out, people that just rest all the time, they got a wop too. It's a bad wop, it's a lazy wop. That wop hurts me. That wop will make me speak in tongues. <laughs> or throat punch, one or the two, I don't, you know, just depends on the moment. It's a balance, but rest is a spiritual gift from God. Here, here's another one that I wanna share with you. I, I love this, these are all coming from the passage. Very first thing. Elijah gets a bad wop. He can't see from heaven to earth. He sees from earth to heaven. He don't have God's perspective. He's in a bad spot. God keeps questioning, why are you here? Why are you here? I'm speaking to you in new ways. Why are you? It still ain't working. And God said, okay, you need some rest. And then when he wakes up, God says, you need some nutrition. You, you, you need something to eat. You ain't eat. You're not taking care of yourself. Let, let's talk about proper nutrition. This is in the Bible. Psalm 100, I, I love this. The Psalms are full of these passages of Scripture where, where divinely inspired men of God wrote in the Old Testament that what God has put on this earth, herbs and vegetation, He gave for us to eat, to take proper care of ourselves. Here's what it says. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants to grow for your people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth and wine to make the heart glad of man and oil to smooth the rough skin of man and bread to give their heart strength. I'm not dissecting that verse. I'm just telling you that the psalmist says this reoccurring, these things that God has put, they all have a proper use. How many of you ladies put on lotion today? Why'd you put on lotion? I'm trying to get the wrinkles to fade. I'm trying to get smooth skin. Okay, check this out. The same verse that says he gave the oil, the aloe, the lotion to smooth the skin and make the face to shine says he gave you certain foods to take care of your body. You used the lotion, but maybe you didn't use the right food. It's, it's just not an indictment. It's just information. Check this out. Poor nutrition, number one thing. I just started looking all this up. When you're eating poorly, I'm, I'm not saying you don't eat. I'm saying you're eating the wrong things. Poor nutrition causes the number one effect is a high body mass index. A high body mass index. When you're sedentary and you eat the wrong foods, it makes your BMI go up. On the heels of your BMI going up, you develop blood pressure, cardiac issues, diabetes, and ultimately you end up in a state, and I could keep going, you don't want to hear all that, where you're experiencing malnutrition. I'm not talking about malnutrition of a little swollen belly child in Africa that's starving. I'm talking about malnutrition that your body that needs certain things is not getting. 
because you're not putting the right things in. So we go to the doctors today. No knock on doctors, no knock on science. Go to the doctors today, and the doctors say, well, you need fish oil, you need omega-3, you need vitamin K, you need vitamin... You know what he's telling you? Dodo, you don't eat the right things. And I know you're too hard-headed to change your diet, so the world we live in today, you can run right down to Walgreens, you can run right down to Walmart, and I can supplement your diet that's improper by supplementing the nutritions that are proper. I'm not against that. If the doctor says, hey, you're short on E or C or K, take them. But I'm also telling you the Bible says that there is the right food out there that will put the right things in you. Okay, you, nobody wants to hear that today. All right. I'm, I'm going to keep on going. Here are the signs of malnutrition. Did you know people that start experiencing malnourishment are not hungry? They have a lack of appetite. They could care less about food. They don't have an interest in food or drink. Here's what also comes on the heels of that. You feel tired all the time. You get weak. You get ill. Often when colds come around, you're the first one to get them. The last one that they leave from. Wounds take longer to heal. It used to scab over in three days. Now it takes three weeks. You have poor concentration. You have brain fog. Check this out. Listen to me, ladies. Men, you feel cold most of the time. That's your body telling you you're, you're, you're malnourished, that you do not get the proper nutrition. So it's trying to create the energy and the heat off of what's in there, and the what's in there ain't the right thing to create it. And last but not least, check this out. You ready? Mood swings. <laughs> I'll talk to Brooke sometimes. She'll say, you know what? Let's finish this conversation after you eat. Or she'll say, I think you should eat some before you say anything else. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Let me. Okay. Just, just putting it back on me. Our nourishment, our sustenance are also gifts to us from God, people. Eat and care for yourself well. So, so I'm not, this isn't me telling you, I mean, I wish you would work out. I wish you would run. I wish you would, I wish you would go to the gym. I'm not telling you to do that if you don't want to. But I am telling you this. Everybody says, well, what do I eat? It's very simple. Brooke's been telling me this for years. She's like, okay, listen, I am so glad you finally got there after 10 years of our marriage, but I've been there for all 14. So don't be coming up in here preaching your little nutrition message to me because I've been feeding you right the whole time and you gripe about it. I say, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I say, you know what? I think I'll finish this conversation with you after you eat. <laughs> eat what rots. Eat what rots. Don't eat stuff that sits on the shelf in the last 14 months. Eat, eat tomatoes, eat lettuce, eat chicken, eat fish, eat beef. Eat things that rot. Quit eating highly over man-made processed foods. Your body takes weeks to break them down and they deposit right here. It's not good for you. It doesn't have the right stuff in it. it. Matter of fact, you're hungry quicker, but it's sticking with you. There ain't no exercise regimen in the world that'll fix a bad diet. There's not. I don't care how much you work out. I tried it for two years from 40 to 42. Here was my mentality. Oh, I work out. I can eat what I want. And I kept getting to look at worse. Like I work out harder than ever. It's, like, it's your diet, partner. How dedicated are you? All I'm saying today as your pastor is if you're experiencing some of these high highs, here's some of the very natural ways to manage it. Make sure you're resting well. Make sure you're eating well. It will minimize the swing. The swings will go from here to here. I didn't say there's still not going to be swings. I said the gap in between the swings will be less. Does everybody get what I'm trying to say? Now, here's the best one. Number three, put this one on the screen. Spiritual refreshings. Revive our faith. So while you can rest well and you can eat well, listen to me, my friend. If you don't get your spirit in connection with the giver of all spirits, if you don't have encounters with God, if you don't connect with God, if you don't start seeing God and hearing God and experiencing God in new ways that you ever have before, your spiritual vitality will wane. You will try to live today off yesterday's bread. That is never prescribed in the Bible. So he got up, he ate and he drank, the food gave him strength to make this pilgrimage 
up to Mount Sinai so Elijah could go up to the mountain of God. And he had that wonderful experience that I just told you about with God. It wasn't sleep. It wasn't eat. It was sleep, eat, and then get your tail in the presence of God. Jesus tells us in John chapter 4, verse 24, that God is a spirit. And those that are going to connect with him must do so with their spirits. You can't connect with God with your physical body. You can't connect with God with your organ of the mind or mental ascent. You have to connect with God where the deep calls out to deep at the noise of his water spouts. Your spirit has to come in alignment and in union with the spirit of God on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night, on a car ride worshiping him and all of a sudden there starts being spiritual vitality poured into you listen to me pastor chad i want you to come running out of time here when you don't have connections with god when you are suppressed spiritually a lack of connection with god will lead to this no vision no direction no spiritual vitality, no hope, no joy, no faith, no compassion, no generosity, no love. Does anybody notice anything about those? All of those are attributes of who? God is love. God is gracious. God is generous. It's very simple, people. Listen to me. If you don't spend time with God privately, you will display or release none of God publicly. You can't have coming out of you what you don't have flowing into you. Here's Elijah. What's the question? Why are you here? You know what God's saying? Why don't you have a vision for the nation anymore, Elijah? Why is it all so bad right now? What, 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 you, you don't believe anymore? that revival can come you you don't believe anymore that change can you you don't believe i'm still working you don't believe i still got a plan you don't believe this is just a part of the plan why do you have no vision why do you have no direction why are you lost why are you depressed god's indicting him you're not where you need to be with me god reveals himself to him forced in a new way speaks to him in a way he's never spoke to him before asking the same thing didn't didn't shout it didn't condemn him didn't blow him away in 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 wind didn't tear him apart with an earthquake didn't burn him up with fire why are you here very loving very elijah why are you here why are you in this place and you know what he wanted elijah to say he wanted elijah to say probably something like this god i'm in a bad place i've let my faith drift I've, I've not been taking care of myself. My hope is gone. I, I, I don't see a future for the nation. I, I don't know what to do. God, I'm the trouble. Not The nation's not the trouble. I'm the trouble. And then God would have used Elijah. But you know what Elijah did? He did exactly what most of us do when God asks and asks and asks and asks. He said, I told you once, God, I have served you. I've been faithful to you. They're all a bunch of heathens. It's going to hell. Why are you not doing anything? Why didn't you care? And Elijah got this response from God. Sub, I'm going to need you to go take a, a seat on the bench, Elijah. You better watch your heart. God's plans will be fulfilled in the earth with or without you. <laughs> Esther, for such a time as this, you have been chosen and come to the court of the ruler of the world. Maybe God is going to use you to bring deliverance for the Jewish people. But make no mistake about it. If you skirt the responsibility and deny your Jewish heritage, deliverance will arise another way. Elijah wasn't where he needed to be with God anymore. He'd seen too much. He was hurt. He didn't take care of himself spiritually, emotionally, mentally. That's why I love this passage, and I love that the Bible doesn't hide it. And God gives him chance after chance after chance to get his heart right, get his spirit right, get his mind right. And Elijah can't get there. 
God doesn't disown him. God doesn't abandon him. God does what's the best thing to do for him and says, you need rest. Sit down. Sub Elisha. <laughs> Double portion, baby. He did seven miracles. I'm going to do 14. He parted that little brook as his last feet of God in the earth. I'm going to part that little brook at my starting place. I'm not trying to go to where my mentors went in my life. I'm trying to start where they stopped. I'm trying to go past them. The students that I raise up, the young men and women that are called to God, that serve in the ministry under my life, I don't want them to go as far as I've gone. I want them to go past me. I want them to start where I stop. He steps on the scene. Check this out. I know you just got to keep reading the Bible. You know what comes next? When Elijah's done, it's hopeless. They're all right. God says, sub. Elijah steps in, fresh vision, fresh connection, fresh anointing, fresh compassion, fresh obedience, fresh generosity. Jehu gets anointed king, kills Jezebel, kills Ahab. Revival hits the land of Israel like Israel had not seen since Israel became a nation. At the same exact time in the southern kingdom, Josiah becomes king and he sends them in to clean the temple and they find the book of the law what you and I know as the Bible that nobody even knew what it was that's how far Judah had drifted from God they brought it out they read it to the people they repented and not only did Israel have revival Judah had revival the whole nation was restored all 12 tribes back to Jehovah after Elijah had to step out of the game so a sub could step in. I, I don't know what family member you've given up on. I, I don't know what marriage issue you've given up on. I don't know what financial dream. I don't know what friend. I don't know what hurt. I don't know about this city, about a man. I don't know where you've lost your passion, where you've lost your generosity, where you've lost your love, where you lost your spiritual vitality, lost your vision for God. I don't know if it's with your child. I don't know, but God knows today. And I'm telling you where you think it's ending, God is saying it's just beginning. It's not the stopping point. It's the starting place. It's not a setback. It's a setup. You just got to be careful whose perspective and eyes you're looking at it from. Get that rest right. Get that, get that nutrition right. Get that spiritual vitality, that connection with God right. These are all just solutions the Bible offers to manage those high highs and those low lows. Self-care is essential for long-term success. I know it. Now, I did this last week. I'm going to do it again, and I'm, I'm going to be real short here. I, I know it's four minutes over. I need to not study it as much, I guess, in the weeks ahead and put this much content in here. But again, we ventured in the mental health field last week discussing bipolar disorder. Now, I'm not diagnosing anyone here, but I'm telling you, I have fought some of this in my own life. I've shared that with you. It helped me see me when I started getting a handle on it. I don't have it down pat, but it definitely helps me. It's awareness. It's knowledge is power. So I want to be faithful and come back to it this week. And, and I just, you know, we all go through high highs. We all go through mountaintops and valleys. I'm telling you how to manage it. But there is, there is a difference when the chemical imbalances of our brain the neurotransmitters get off and it used to be taboo and I'm not it's not taboo me let's talk about God's helped us today he's given us solutions the gifts of healing to fix it and address it with counseling and medication we can be better we can be healthier let's talk about it since sin entered this world the human bodies have been plunged into a fallen state and they do not function as God originally designed them or intended for them to be. Chemical imbalances in the brain are reality of that fall. And it's real today. Does everybody understand that? When people are experiencing this, these high highs and low lows, these swings, the upside, which I love when I have one of these upsides, they, they clinically call them mania. This can involve spiraling. I talked a lot about it last week, but you know, you get a lot accomplished, you get a lot done, you feel great, you're on the mountaintop, everything's wonderful, you're knocking it down, you're on the hustle, on the grind, you're in the flow. But with that, clinically, this has been proving, some people respond to that spiraling and they, and they, 
they get into sinful behaviors related to impulsivity and and increased and oftentimes risque sexual behaviors, tendencies towards substances and use and abuse of those, um, inflated self-importance, like becoming more narcissistic, getting reckless in their spending. These are just some signs that you may not just be having a a ha-ha and a low-low. You may really have some of these swings going on. Frequently, when people go through some of this, they, they will not remember what they've done in one of these manic episodes, but they will have a sense of regret like, man, I know I did something wrong. The other side of that, coming out of that, that up, up is that low, low and, and that depression when it sets in, oh my goodness, man, it's as low as you can feel. You feel hopeless. You feel worthless. It can lead to pain, even despair. Listen to me. Even as Christians who know we're loved by God, valued in Christ. They're unable to equate that spiritual truth of the Bible due to the disconnect between their heart and their minds. The answer in helping people like that or helping ourselves that are like that is to have accountability in our lives that stems from love. Not not manipulation, not judgment, not condemnation, but, but an accountability that helps us and we feel the motivation of love in it. Listen to me, I wanna make this clear. Having these high highs, low lows is not an excuse to sin. You can't just say, oh, that's the way it is. Throw caution to the wind, do what you wanna do. Nope, it's not the truth. People that experience this disorder, trust me, they know it's hard for you to love them and be their friend. (laughs) They know it's hard for them to love themselves. If someone has disclosed something like this to you, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, a, it's a badge of honor that they've invited you into that and that they trust and they value your friendship. Help them with accountability, motivated with love. The truth of the matter is each and every one of us in this room have weaknesses, we have struggles. Here's how some say God calls this or God allowed this. I'm not here to have that debate today. I can theologically. Whether God caused you to have this thorn in the flesh or allowed you to have this thorn in the flesh, Romans 8, 28 says this, God will use it for his glory. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your weakness is. I don't know what your mental, emotional proclivity is, your disposition towards people, your bent towards the world, your outlook on life. But here's what I'm telling you. If you will bring it to God, God will use that for his glory. leave you with a couple of promises here. I love this. David says in Psalm 23 that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, God. Because you are close beside me, you have a rod and a staff, and they comfort and they protect me. That staff is what keeps the wolves away. That's God protecting you. It's about eight foot long. He's pulling you back in with the shepherd's crook, keeping you away from the bears and the lions and the wolves. He's protecting you. But that little rod about this long is to guide you when he puts it on your back with correction. David said, I take comfort in knowing when I go through the valleys, you're right there with me and you're going to protect me and you're going to correct me. May each of us as Christians want that correction and that protection. May each of us as Christians offer that to other people. Hey, I'm protecting you, but I'm also not afraid to talk to you in love to help correct you. May may we not just be protectors and never be bold enough to be correctors. May we not be overzealous correctors and not protectors. Both are important to represent God well and our love for other people. I think today I can sum it all up in, in saying this. Um, there are solutions, and I was just trying to bring those in the second message today of self-care is essential for long-term success, and, and they are very simply this. Rest well. Eat well. Connect with God well. Get your vision back. Get your, get your calling back. Get your perspective of God back. All three of those will help manage the high highs and the low lows. But on top of that, I want to throw this out there because I I am married to a counselor. And for years, she would say, you need counseling. And I would say, counsel me. And she would say, oh, no. No. I said, yeah, you came. I didn't understand. I didn't know anything about it. If you need to talk to somebody 
talk to somebody. If you need, listen to me, talking to somebody about, hey, we're in a rough spot, it's it's simple. If you've got yourself in a real pickle and you don't know how to undo that, it ain't a light switch you can't flip. It's not an emotion you can put back in there. You, You don't need to talk to somebody. You need counseling. You need therapy. Trust me, I started, I know, I don't, I don't know everything there's, but I'm telling you, it's a lot more to it than I knew it was. I refuse at Oaks Church to say people, listen, I used to say, oh, I can't go to counseling, I'm a pastor. Now I say, I go to counseling because I'm a pastor. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Brooke's like, and you don't go enough. <laughs> yeah, I refuse at Oaks Church to say it's taboo for if, if you need to, if you need to go. And, and guess what? Those people that are licensed, trained, have those degrees, they may also even help you, not, not, not just psychologically. They may help you scientifically with the gift of healing, with medication that can bring those chemical balances back where they need to be. I didn't say walk around like a zombie. I didn't say walk around like you're high all the time. That's, that's not what this medicine's for. But I'm just telling you, I'm not going to look down on you. It's not sin. It's not taboo. Some of you need to try it. Not because I said so, because your life needs it. Five solutions. Rest well. Eat well. Connect with God well. Counsel with people well. Medicate well. Amen? The high highs and the low lows will go from woo to 